Hey, GB, I have a question for you. Yes, what is it? Leadership life stories. Yes. What kind of leadership is leadership life stories about? There's this particular type, I think. Tell me what type you think it is. Well, I think it would be servant, maybe transformational. Oh my gosh, you're exactly right. Smart like that. Yes, it, it's servant leadership with regard to the fact that servant leadership is particularly effective in a service culture, which Disney theme parks and resorts very much is a service culture. But it's also transformational leadership in that many of the leaders that we're talking to are inspiring and they move people and they remind them of why we are here. So since you asked, I mean, do you want to hear my opinion of what Disney leadership really is from an academic point of view? Uh, yeah, of course I do. Yeah, because we're both leadership nerds. Um, my <laughs> opinion is that Disney leadership is a combination of servant leadership and transformational leadership. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, so how does that set up who our guest is for today? Is she inspiring and transformational? Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. Is she a servant leader? Completely. Today's guest is Deloria Nelson, former Disney leader in human resources, and we're going to show you how she is a transformational leader, a servant leader, and a Disney leader all in one. Stay with us. Welcome. I'm your host, JB Adams. And I'm your host, Rebecca Morgan. In this series, we bring you conversations with experienced leaders. Because a leader is anyone who influences change, we want to understand not just what leaders do, but who they are and how they can be effective in a rapidly changing world. We hope you'll learn some things about our guests, about our topic, and also about yourself. This is Leadership Life Stories. You can find episodes of this and all other Victor Media Group shows on our website at victormediagroup.co. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe and connect with us on your favorite social media platform. We'll be right back after this important message. Well, hi there, listeners. It's Rebecca Morgan. If you told my younger self you are going to love talking about leadership, and when you grow up, you will lead hundreds and develop thousands of managers and leaders and create great places to work, I would have laughed at the idea because I was focused on becoming a dolphin trainer. Yeah, while I still love dolphins, what I really love to do is leadership development. So much so that I created the Awesome Leader League, the ultimate collection of people-centered leadership skills to help you be a better leader. If you're looking for ways to become more confident and an effective people-centered leader that people will trip over their own feet to follow, this is your resource. And did I mention we do it in 20 minutes or less? Join us now at theawesomeleaderleague.com. Welcome to Leadership Life Stories. I'm JB Adams and my co-host is Rebecca Morgan. This season of Leadership Life Stories is devoted to examining Disney leadership as the Walt Disney World Resort celebrates its 50th anniversary. Today's guest is Deloria Nelson. She served as a human resources manager working in employee relations and compliance at the Walt Disney World Resort. She currently serves as the president of Authentic Culture and Engagement Solutions, also known as ACE Solutions, where she energizes and engages workforce transformation as a coach and consultant, focusing on culture, diversity, equity, and inclusion. In this segment, you'll hear Deloria Nelson describe her leadership philosophy, why Disney leadership is a big deal, and what she learned from her Disney leadership role model. Deloria Nelson, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. This show is about leadership. So let's start off by asking, 
Deloria, what is your leadership philosophy, your overall philosophy when it comes to leadership? It's lead with love. And a lot of people think, oh, that's so wussy or no, but love is powerful, right? Sometimes it's tough love. It's telling people the truth. It's understanding, uncovering their strengths of pointing those out. It's empowering people to be their best selves. But when you love someone, you want the best for them, even if it's not the corporation. If they're not in the right role, you can tell them. So lead with love is definitely my leadership philosophy. I know that we're going to unpack all of that over the course of the time that we spend together. But I also like to use this opening segment as an opportunity to address the skeptics. So some of our listeners are saying, wow, big deal. You were a leader at Disney in the leisure and entertainment industry. Is it a big deal? What makes it a big deal? Yeah, it makes it a big deal because there was so much exposure to so many different things. I really can't put into words all that I learned from being a cast member and being a leader at Disney. It's so much bigger than just work. It's about understanding how to connect with people. I learned about the power of storytelling. And I was not a Disney fanatic, right? Let's just be very authentic because that's who I am. You know, there are people that want to work for Disney because every Sunday night at 7 p.m., they curled up and watched the wonderful world of Disney with their family. That's not my story, right? I had heard of Disney. I actually lived in Orlando, but I just saw it as a job. We'll talk a little later about how I actually got there, but I learned a lot. And I tell you, once you've been equipped at Disney, you can succeed anywhere. So although I wasn't there forever, nine years is a long time, a lot of the lessons I've learned have helped propel me to the place I am today. So it was a big deal. I understood and learned the power of individuality, the power of connecting with people, and the power of recognition. Excellent. And can you tell us, how does Disney's place in the entertainment industry make a difference? Well, it makes a difference because they're a leader. It makes a difference with ABC. There's a lot of diversity and inclusion with ABC. It makes a difference with a lot of the characters and movies that are developed that impact youth and elderly. So it makes a difference. I mean, it is a really good company that understands the power of influence. And if you think about influence coming into someone's home, whether it be through movies or families coming to the park, all of that impacts. And so they make a huge difference. So what I'm hearing from you is that it's not just the policies of the company and how it operates and the culture that it creates backstage, if you will, but you're also saying that it's in the messaging of the content produced itself. Is that oh, absolutely. Yeah. The diversity of families is, is pretty interesting. When you think about a lot of the stories that they told, I think they probably recognized early on that what is a traditional family and is tradition tradition, because there are a lot of stories that don't represent what a lot of us were taught was a traditional family, which based on me being a diversity, equity, and inclusion person, I really appreciate because families are about love. And if people love you, it doesn't matter whether you have two moms, two dads, people that are different colors or shades, it's really based in love. And so that's what I think comes through a lot of the messaging. Wow. That, that really brings your philosophy into clearer focus. Absolutely. So, Dee, how do you define Disney leadership? Wow. And I don't know if it's Disney leadership. I'll just say leadership in general, because I think individuals lead differently. 
I mean, you can have a leadership philosophy, but it doesn't mean that everybody is going to follow that. I would say what I felt when I was there, that there was a philosophy of leadership and of reinforcing the values. There were certain values that we all understood. I think customer service and guest service, man, you can't work at Disney and really go anywhere else because you're always critically looking at, is that the level of service I expected? What about service recovery? They just messed up my food. So I found it hard. I had to kind of like, okay, this isn't Disney. And even cleanliness. I remember the whole role versus purpose, that there was one singular purpose, but we all had different roles. And I remember feeling like everybody was janitorial. And so I remember going to other jobs and picking up and people were looking at me like, girl, why are you picking that up? But it was like the pride that we learned that it's not about somebody's role. If our purpose is to embrace and entertain and make sure people are comfortable, we all should want it clean. So me bending down to pick up a piece of paper is what I should do. I shouldn't step over it and say, that's not my job because it's a part of my purpose even if it's not a part of my role. So, I mean, yeah, I think people like me because like, oh, she does HR and she cleans. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely everybody's job. And so in your time at Disney, do you think you had a, a role model who exemplified Disney leadership? Oh, I did. I did. Mary Beth Pisaneri, she was the general manager of the Contemporary Resort when I was there. And she was so authentic and transparent. She and I are still close today. She really modeled the fact that you can be authentic and successful simultaneously, right? That you didn't have to put on airs. You didn't have to be somebody different. And she was very consistent in how she interacted with everyone. She also understood how to recognize your strengths and to work with you and give you projects that help to exemplify your strengths. She, you know, we, we spent a lot of time together, but it was the best opportunity just to learn. And we learned a lot from each other. And actually when she left the role, she became diversity and inclusion director of Disney because we talked and interacted a lot about diversity. So she's, you know, high up there now, but she's still the same person and we speak frequently. All right, Rebecca, let's reflect on what we heard DeLorean Nelson saying about leadership and Disney leadership. What do you think? I really loved what DeLorean had to say about leading with love. And I love that she says, you know, it's also, there's tough love, right? So leading with love, sometimes people think it is really, oh, isn't that nice? Lead with love. And you're like, no, seriously, this is a great way to lead people because you do it in such a caring way and you show people that they matter. How about you, JB? What did you take away? Well, I think it's interesting that if you're a loyal listener, then you know that in our previous interview, we heard our guest mention leading with love. And here we are again, mentioning leading with love. So it's a recurring theme and you're going to hear it again in subsequent interviews, I'm sure. And to me, what it means is authentically caring about the people that you lead and providing them with what they need. And if, if I may just say so, it is servant leadership and it's particularly powerful in the service industry. So if you work in hospitality or healthcare, you're gonna hear a lot of messages about servant leadership and leading with love. I think it goes across all industries though. I think this is a practice of leadership that transcends every single industry because it's so true. It's about caring for your people. I agree that it could transcend every industry. 
It just should, JB. It just should. And perhaps it should. Our guest is Deloria Nelson, and we'll be back in a moment to learn about how she found her way to Walt Disney World and to leadership. Please stay with us. Welcome back to Leadership Life Stories. I'm Rebecca Morgan. My co-host is JB Adams and our guest is Deloria Nelson, former human resources manager at Walt Disney World and current president of Ace Solutions. Okay, Deloria, we want to learn more about your backstory. And that means JB wants to analyze your personality. Yes, I do. <laughs> Leadership Life Stories presents the self-awareness quiz. Featuring the five-factor model that measures the five personality traits of openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. Remember, leadership begins with self-awareness and you can't change your personality as much as you can manage it. So let's take a little time and get to know our guest. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. The first one is openness. Do you consider yourself creative or practical? Creative. The second one is conscientiousness. Do you consider yourself disciplined or flexible? Flexible. Okay. The third one is extroversion. Do you consider yourself introverted or extroverted? Woo -woo! Extroverted. <laughs> Very much. The fourth one is agreeableness. Do you consider yourself compliant or challenging? Challenging. And the fifth one is neuroticism. Do you consider yourself sensitive or steady? I guess I'll go with steady. I mean, I have a sensitivity about me, but I think my resilience says push forward, keep moving. So I'll go to steady. All right. You said creative, flexible, extroverted, challenging, and steady. How do you think this personality serves you as a leader? Are there some environments where you thrive? Are there some environments where you know, like, that's not for me? Yeah, I think I'm a people person and I'm a leader. And so I can thrive anywhere. But I think the challenging piece is, is sometimes challenging for organizations, right? Because I am flexible. If anybody does Myers-Briggs, I'm ENFP. And the tagline says, energized by last minute pressure. So flexibility and adaptability is there but i'm creative and i consider myself a mediator but i think challenging is what you have to be to change right i think when you're challenging you can change the world you can change policies and so absolutely challenging in the most respectful way possible but just because something has been doing done a certain way doesn't mean that it doesn't need to change. And if nobody challenges it, you never have change. And, and do you think that there's a personality factors that lead to success as a Disney leader? Oh, yeah. I mean, and I, I struggle with this a little bit because as I've evolved more and more as a diversity and inclusion leader, there was definitely a type, right? And so mm. I think at Disney, the type was definitely extroverted. So I think introverts probably struggled quite a bit. The other type, and this is just me being real, because I taught an inclusion class yesterday and we talked about beauty bias, the pretty people, right? Relative to, I mean, everybody is beautiful in their perspectives, but whatever the traditional beauty look was, you definitely saw those people move ahead further. Now I get it, entertainment, you're in front of the camera, but come on, 
So I would say extroverted, beautiful, not necessarily challenging. They didn't necessarily like the challenging people, right? Because the culture was one that required a certain level of sameness. Mm -hmm. So I would say those were the factors and those were the people who had a much larger likelihood for success. Agreeable extroverts. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's learn more about your early years. So Deloria, where were you born and raised? I was born in Tampa, Florida. So I'm a native Floridian, which I know is wow. Wow. Yeah. I actually came to Orlando in, I think, eighth grade. My mom was working at Valencia. And so we relocated to the Orlando area. When I graduated from high school, went to college in Atlanta, HBCU, Clark Atlanta University, and stayed there for a number of years, got married, and then moved to Macon, Georgia, and then ended up being relocated by Disney back to Florida. What generation do you identify with? Generation X. Um, yes. Just barely. <laughs> I'm one step away from being a baby boomer, but definitely Generation X. What were your parents' occupations? Oh, wow. So my dad is or was an attorney, and my mom was in education. So she was like an academic affair. She had her PhD. But my dad had so much moxie, right? I'm sure I got most of my moxie from my dad. <laughs> he just had courage, like, I'm a man, and it doesn't matter. And he has some amazing stories about he was the first African-American public defender in Tampa. And then he also had, and I start laughing now when you think about diversity, he had the first diverse law firm because it was himself. Wow. And then there was an African-American woman partner. And then there was a white male partner and a white female partner. So he definitely had the first fully diverse law firm. And so he just always said, hey, everybody puts their pants on the same way. And he just felt like it's about respect and there's nothing I can't do. So I learned that from him. From my mom, I learned about resilience because she was a little more low key than my dad was, but she was always like, there's nothing you can't accomplish. And they got divorced when I was little. So I think I always knew that although I didn't aspire to be a single mom, I don't think anybody does, I always knew that it wouldn't negatively impact me because she modeled that you can do anything you want to do. So yeah, they definitely taught me a lot of leadership lessons. Wonderful. Do you have any siblings? Oh, yes. Six sisters. <laughs> Six sisters. And where do you fall in that? I'm number two in birth order. And what role did you play in the family? You're oh. kind of, you're not the oldest, you're not the youngest. I was a mediator, right? I was the one that was always kind of helping to rally the troops and saying, it's not that bad, you know, let's get along. You know, you should love your sister. She wasn't really trying to be mean or whatever. So I was always the mediator and I think I still am. Okay. So how did you get to Disney? Yeah, this is a really funny story. So I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so even though Disney has always had a wonderful reputation, if you grew up locally, it didn't have that same pizzazz because most everybody in the local area worked at one of the theme parks. So I didn't really know a lot about Disney, but I was actually working in uh, employee relations in Macon, Georgia at the time. And I was actually at a black MBA recruiting fair. And I was recruiting for the company that I worked for. 
And I was thinking it may have been time to leave. But anyway, I saw the big Disney booth and Disney never had like small booths. They got two, three booths. They got stuffed animals, <laughs> all of the, woo, all of the hurrah and everything. And I was so funny. I was strategic. I was like, mm, I'm not going to really talk to anybody because I'm not sure I want to work for Disney. But then there was like, oh, but you know, I still had family in Florida. I'm like, that could be a free trip home. So I waited till no one was at the table, seriously. And I would have just kind of slid my resume on the table, not knowing if anybody would see it or pay attention to it. And then I got a call a couple of weeks later and I thought, okay, you know, I'll go for the interview, free trip. I think I got to stay at the boardwalk, nice resort, meet my mom. They'll probably give me tickets or whatever. And then I actually started talking to some of the people that were in the employee relations department. And I was like, wow. They just seemed to have a sincerity and a commitment to what they were doing. And that was huge for me because having worked in employee relations and also compliance, where I did a lot of the sexual harassment and discrimination investigations, I had worked for places that didn't have that same level of conscientiousness as far as doing the right thing. And I felt that and it struck me and I thought, you know what, I think it doggone it. I think they got me. <laughs> and as they say, the rest is history. You mentioned that you did compliance and investigations. Absolutely. So I, I'm, I can't let that go. <laughs> I got to understand, how did you find your way into human resources? And how did you find your way into compliance and investigations? There's something about you that is attracted to that. Yeah, and it is fascinating. I think it was kind of the influence of my dad and making sure that people are treated fairly. I've always been an advocate for people. And it's funny because some people hate employee relations. They're like, oh my goodness, nothing but negativity all day. But I didn't see it that way. I saw it as if I'm able to help remove people who don't respect other people, who are creating a hostile environment, who are making people feel bad about themselves, not only is it damaging the company brand, but it's damaging people. And so I felt really good about helping eliminate them from the company. And it didn't matter to me whether it was somebody hourly or a VP, because I've always believed that people should be treated fairly. The other thing that people always found fascinating is the way people do investigations, I guess, is different based on their personality. And mine was never strong arming people. People like me because good people make poor choices and people that aren't so great make good choices. So I've learned how to separate it. And I could always get people to tell me the truth because they just knew I kind of cared about them and I did the leading with love. And so I would have some tough investigations, but people would tell me the truth. I think when you love people, they can see it. And it, it was never really an issue for me. JB, what do you think about Deloria's backstory? Well, she said one thing that really got my attention, and it is this quote. When you love people, they can see it, and people would tell me the truth. And I think what she's really trying to say is, it's this philosophy of, I'm not out to get you, I am here to help you. And that, as a leader, makes you approachable to other people, and it really reinforces her message of leading with love. Um, we're not out to get people for the sake of making results. We're here to help people. And consequently, we'll get results. 
So helping people comes first. What do you think, Rebecca? Yeah, absolutely. I got to tell you a story about Delora. I don't know if I ever told you that, JB, of how we met. And I was a really young manager and I had to go to employee relations. And I don't know if you remember, to go to employee relations, they sat at an off-site location. It was the SunTrust building and you had to go to SunTrust and talk to employee relations, which is super scary. Now, wait, can, yeah. I, can I interject a little bit? Yeah. I'm assuming when you go to employee relations, it means you have a problem with an employee. Or someone has a problem with an employee yeah. and the employee relations team is doing an investigation. So Deloria was in employee relations and compliance at the time, and she was doing an investigation. And I um, witnessed something that happened. So I had to go and talk so they could do their investigation and give a statement. And I was really scared because employer, it's a scary place. And, um, <laughs> but I'll tell you, Deloria, first time I met her, I was not afraid. I mean, I was afraid, truth be told, but because of her and lead with love, Yes, because of that, people will tell her things. And so I felt so comfortable telling her things. And what's interesting about the story is my manager at the time went with me and I thought it was strange because she sat in the investigation with me. Now, it wasn't about her, but it was about another employee. And she sat there and took notes the entire time. Can you imagine telling the story of something you observed, which you know was probably not legit and your manager is taking notes on everything you said? Yeah, that's a little nerve wracking and uh, could be considered inappropriate. Well, yeah, well, who knows? What are you gonna do with these notes? And I'll be honest, you know how sometimes like, you're like, oh, they're really tight with this person that they're asking me about. So I don't know if this is gonna oh, be a good uh, thing. So your manager was really tight with the person who was under investigation. Exactly. And so I don't know, it was just really hard. So I remember afterwards, I was writing my statement down because that was part of the process. In addition to talking about it, you had to then write down statements. And so I was writing them down and Deloria came to me and I was really shaken. And I said, I gotta tell you something. I'm really uncomfortable in the fact that uh, my manager was taking notes on what I said. I don't mind you taking notes cause I know that's your job, but for a manager to do it, I don't feel comfortable with that. And she said, okay. And she went back into that room and took the manager's notes and brought them out to me and said, let's take these and tear them up together wow and i will never forget that because you never know the impact something small like that you never know the impact it's gonna have on people years later yeah she made a huge impression on you in that moment she did and it goes back to lead with love if you truly care about people it makes a huge difference Rebecca can't talk right now, so I'm just going to say our guest is Deloria Nelson, and when we come back, we'll hear her thoughts on the evolution of Disney leadership, so please stay with us. Welcome back to Leadership Life Stories. I'm Rebecca Morgan, my co-host is J.B. Adams, and our guest is Deloria Nelson, former leader in Disney Human Resources and current president of Ace Solutions. Deloria, we want to hear your thoughts on the evolution of Disney leadership over time. But before we do that, what's that sound? The sound of the train whistle means it's time to play Walt Disney World Insider Free Association. This is the game where there are no right answers, no wrong answers, no winners, 
No losers and there are no prizes. Aww. So to play the game, we provide you with a series of prompts about your Walt Disney World experience and for each one, you say the very first answer that pops into your head. DeLorean Nelson, are you ready to play? I'm ready. Item number one. What is your favorite Disney character? Mulan. Be true to yourself. If you are authentic, you can't fail. Favorite Walt Disney World theme park? Animal Kingdom. Favorite Walt Disney World resort? <laughs> Animal Kingdom Lodge. It was just a beautiful place. Favorite Disney attraction? It's a small world after. Good one. Mine too. Oh yeah, <laughs> you must stop singing now. We'll get in trouble. Favorite attraction that's no longer operating? Oh, oh, I know. Honey, I shrunk the kids. It was just so fun. And the kids loved it when we would go. I've been looking forward to hearing this one. Overrated. Turkey legs. <laughs> I mean, they're good initially. You get excited. They're so big. But after about four bites, it's like throw the whole thing away. Okay. Is there anything at Walt Disney World that's underrated? I almost think if you've been at Disney, you can go anywhere and succeed. So I do think the training may be a bit underrated. A lot of companies don't have that. Excellent. Favorite backstage memory? Going into the tunnel was fascinating. Also, the character integrity piece and, you know, Mickey is real. <laughs> All of that I found pretty fascinating and I understood and loved it. All right, Deloria Nelson, thank you for participating in Walt Disney World Insider Free Association. You didn't win any prizes. Um, and for the sake of our listeners, Mickey is real, y'all. Okay? Oh, absolutely. Never forget it. Well, that's what she said. Mickey's exactly. real. I'm just reiterating it. Absolutely. And if the li and if the listeners are wondering, there is only one Mickey Mouse, only one. right? There's only one. He just magically appears from place to place. He's magical. There's one. Uno. <laughs> Deloria, earlier you said Disney leadership was authenticity and bringing out the best in the people around you. Did you see leadership styles evolving? And you know, in what direction do you think they evolved over the time that you were there? Yeah, I think one size never fits all, right? So I was exposed to some strong leaders. I mentioned Mary Beth, who I thought did a good job. But there was also a group think type of leadership mentality that was really about this is how we should do things. And it, there wasn't a whole lot of openness for change. So you're kind of pointing out that you had prior experience before you got to Disney. And so I'm curious, how does that compare? The other companies you were at were smaller, and I'm sure that that was very different from what you found at Disney. Oh, yeah, it was definitely different. I think... The good and the bad of Disney was the level of infrastructure that was there, right? I mean, so other companies, you may have been able to be the HR manager, but you did the employee relations, you did training development, you did organizational mm -hmm. development. So you were a lot more well-rounded because the company was a lot smaller, which I'll be honest, I appreciated that I had the experience when I went to Disney. Disney is amazing, but there was so much infrastructure, right? So you have an employee relations department, you have casting, you have all of these different supporting arms. So you really don't have to know as much. I just have to be transparent because there's an expert for all, you know, there may be seven different parts of human resources. There was a department or an expert for each part. 
Whereas, you know, as I evolved in HR, I was with much smaller companies where you had to know a little bit about all of it. So it was definitely different. In some cases to me, it was a little frustrating because I felt a little boxed in because there were a lot of things that I could have done and understood how to do and had the experience to do, but it was outside of the box. And Disney kind of liked you to stay in your box. I just want to acknowledge something. You're also pointing out to me that not only did you have the, the prior experience that you could compare this to, but you also had prior leadership experience before you came to Disney. So that also makes a difference. And it definitely made a difference. And I saw the difference. I saw the ability to kind of mold people, for lack of a better word, because you started at 18 on Main Street selling ice cream, right? And now you were an HR manager or an ops leader. So it definitely was a different mindset. And I'm not saying it was good or bad. It was just different. But absolutely, I was already a professional when I came in and I had had quite a bit of experience. And so I took those new or fresh eyes, as people would call it, and kind of added that to some of the Disney magic. But it did make my experience and the way I looked at things a little different. And from that experience, the comparison of the experience. So being a leader outside of Disney, coming to mm -hmm. Disney, working as an individual contributor, and then transitioning into Disney leadership, what would you say is the takeaway? What's the, the lesson that you gained from that comparison? Wow. I think there was more support from a infrastructure support, right? If you weren't sure what to do, there were a lot of people that could help you. And there were a lot of rules to, to help you stay on track. So I think that was good. But like anything else, what was good was also constricting. So I do think that it was great support, but it was almost suffocating. Yeah, so there's a balance between, in the same way that there are tens of thousands of cast members, there are probably also tens of thousands of job descriptions. Absolutely. At, at Disney. And and I, I think what you're pointing out is the trade-off between I got this great job and here's my title. That'll take you far within the company. Not sure how far it will take you outside of the company when you have this very narrow little niche role. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think people have to think about that. I th it was okay for me because I still had the experience prior and I did have seven different roles while I was there. So I think I was expanding and growing, but I do think if it's too narrow of a scope, how will you transition if and when you decide to leave? For me, I just think it polished me up and made me better. And definitely, I mean, we had processes for processes. So, you know, you leave Disney to me. When I left Disney, I was a superstar. Oh, I got a process for that. Oh, there's a policy for that. I mean, it was just so much that we had done. And I mean, everything we did was done very professionally. It was all kind of tied in a neat little box with a bow. So anything you needed, more than likely you had been exposed to, which could help if you went to a smaller company that didn't have all of these things. All right, Rebecca, let's reflect on what we heard Deloria Nelson say about Disney leadership. What do you think? Deloria was a leader in other companies before coming to Disney. So hearing her perspective on it and what Disney does really well and where the opportunities are is really interesting. 
And so she talked about, you know, the bureaucracy and the systems and processes. And that's something I tell people a lot. Like, what's it like working at Disney, this big company and so many people and so many departments, you know, how does it all work? And I refer to the parks like a machine. And it is like a machine because we do have these systems and processes and that's how we keep it consistent. And that's how we're able to deliver the expectations that we have for our guests. But it's really fun to hear again from the outside that you're able to take these skills and there's so much you can learn that are transferable. How about you, JB? What do you think? I thought Delorea's message was a great reminder that there are so many opportunities at Walt Disney World. There are roles that you never even imagined until you got there. And consequently, there are many opportunities to find a job that's right fit for you and also many opportunities to lead. So we ask these questions about how leadership changed at Disney because we know that leadership expectations are changing all the time. They're changing in society at large. They change with the entrance of new younger generations of workers. They change with the exit of older generations of workers. And the difference with Disney is only that it's a large company. And it has, as Deloria mentioned, a structure that supports hiring and training and growth and development of your leadership. And you may not get that at a smaller company, but you definitely get it at Disney because, as you put it, this machine moves forward. And it's not a bad thing. <laughs> Absolutely not. This brings us to the end of part one of a two-part interview with Deloria Nelson. In our next episode, we're going to learn her thoughts on what she calls the inclusion illusion. She'll also share her best leadership advice. So please tune in. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again soon with another episode. You can find Leadership Life Stories and all other Victor Media Group podcasts at victormediagroup.co. Leadership Life Stories was created by J.B. Adams and executive produced by Gerard Mitchell. Today's episode was co-hosted by Rebecca Morgan and J.B. Adams. Sound design by Michael Orlowski. Mixing and editing by Manny Simone. It's the mission of Victor Media Group to make the world a better place by making ourselves better people. If you like this show, follow us at Victor Media Group on your favorite social media platform. This is J.B. Adams. And until next time, remember, if you can dream it, you can do it.